0: I'd like to welcome Richard Blank to the show today. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it too. So before we get into the questions, I'd like to introduce Richard formally. Richard's journey as an expat is filled with many twists and turns. When he was 27 years old, he relocated to Costa Rica to train over 5,000 employees for one of the larger call centers in San Jose. With a mix of motivational public speaking style backed by tactful and appropriate rhetoric, Richard shared his knowledge and trained over 10,000 telemarketers in the past 20 years. He has the largest collection of restored American pinball machines and antique Rocola jukeboxes in Central America, making gamification a strong part of CCC culture. Richard has been the chief executive officer for Costa Rica's call center since 2008. Richard holds a bachelor's degree in communications and Spanish from the University of Arizona, and a certificate of language proficiency from the University of Sevilla, Spain. Of note, Richard was the keynote speaker for Abington High School's 68th National Honor Society Induction Ceremony. Giving back to Abington High School is very important to Richard. And as such, he endows a scholarship each year for students that plan on majoring in a world language at the university level. Richard, it's really great to have you here with us today. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Michael, it's great to be here. Um, as I mentioned to you before, I watched so many of your videos and they were entertaining enough where I was able to get through them, motivated me enough to write you, and here we are today. And so I'm just very happy to be spending time with you and your
0: audience. Well, likewise, Richard, I, I am uh, keenly interested in, uh, in your background and your experience, and I just know that our viewers are gonna get a whole lot out of it. So I'd like to just jump right in and Definitely. ask you the first question. Sure. Why did you decide to open a call center in Costa Rica?
1: That's one of my favorite questions, Michael, and I appreciate you asking it. I have to go back a couple of years and tell you where it all began. When I was growing up in Northeast Philadelphia, a lot of opinions were provided for you, and sometimes your destiny and careers were predecided for you. So a lot of my friends were going to Ivy Leagues to study medicine and law, engineering and architecture, and I myself... I wasn't really sure what to do, but I knew my favorite class was Spanish. So as a dreamer that felt a little bit alone because no one else could relate to it, I decided to double down and go to the University of Arizona and be a bi-major. I majored in Spanish and communication. And like yourself, Michael, as a teacher and a really effective public speaker, I decided to study that. In addition to that, I concentrated on rhetoric. So your message and delivery was more effective. And everyone needs a special sauce so my special sauce was phonetic micro expression reading i used to like to study body language and then here at the call center i was able to do it where we're more voice micro expression reading which we'll get to later in the show and when i had the opportunity post-grad to move here at 27 a friend of mine owned a call center I said, Rich, why don't you want to come down for a couple of months and teach some English. And naturally a 27 year old kid, you fall in love with Central America, tropical beauty. And when I was at the call center, I kind of shed some skin. I realized that I had a calling. This was an environment where people were using the art of speech. They were converting phone calls and giving positive customer experiences. And actually since English was their second language, they were fulfilling their studies. I took to that. I embraced it. I decided to stay and work there for four years. So obviously I learned the business, but the one thing I did learn, Michael, was I learned how to enrich the experience. Being politically correct, I saw certain things, the gripes and the tough times of working the phones or working in a certain structured environment. And I realized that if people are given their dignity, if they're not treated as robots or as numbers, Besides the productivity, you'll get a much more fulfilled person working with you that will work longer with you. And in my opinion, in my goal, will grow with you and be some of your future supervisors.
0: Uh, oh, it's a great story and a great philosophy all, all wrapped into that answer. So. And it
1: happened in 2008. I mean, mm-hmm. I worked at the center for a while and My thing came later in life. Everyone has a coming of age moment. I had certain stages that gave me an experience or a vision quest to complete certain goals. But at 35, I started my company. The fact that I've lasted 14 years, a Philly boy here in another country, it says something. So I let my record speak for itself. But I'm very proud of the people that work with me. And my favorite thing is walking the rose, Michael. I love to stop on the occasion and listen to somebody speaking with a client and smile and give a thumbs up. And that's the essence of what I do. And that's why I'm capable of doing this for so long.
0: Excellent. Okay. All right. So now, now we have an understanding of how it all came to be. So uh, now we want to kind of get into uh, some of the uh, sales-related questions, right? And tap into that, that great wisdom that you've accumulated over the 14 years. There's so much emphasis on cold email these days in selling. Why should the use of the phone still command respect? I think
1: a cold email is fine if you're just doing email blasts, if it's just a templated. I think a phone is essential these days for multiple reasons. The first is it'll give you a chance to understand the company's culture, where you're calling. Secondly, you might meet people prior to the decision maker where you can build a relationship, learn more information, and in my opinion, do a positive escalation. So when you have this relationship with either the gatekeeper or somebody else that's assisted you before transferring, you can give the gift of mentioning how amazing this individual was that works at your company. So your first impression, if it is a cold call and you're meeting somebody for the first time, you're showing very good faith. You're just not coming in asking for an appointment. In my opinion, you're gaining a couple points. And I think you're also eliminating the chance of any sort of upsell compared to just a cold email. You're eliminating any sort of chance of getting a referral or any additional business from that unless they decide to write back. There's no way to get any sort of feedback, the positive or the negative aspects of the product in which you're representing. And then finally, as I say before, there's there's that relationship and rapport building that you're meeting with somebody So where you would be able to get the pass to pitch, you will be able to get that follow-up appointment, or you would be considered a little bit more than somebody that just sends out templated emails. But I will say this, my friend, if somebody is just using these cold emails as their marketing strategy, why don't you take an extra 30 seconds, okay? Mm -hmm. Just to look at their website or LinkedIn profile, because you would possibly be able to uncover something that would give you, a sort of connection, or you can congratulate them on a promotion, on an anniversary, a third location. You could say their slogan, I don't know. But if you're just calling me sir and giving me some email, it's extremely informal. But if you mention my pinball machines, I'm gonna read your entire email. So at least you're gonna have a shot with me. So my suggestion is just to, instead of being a a print, be a painting actually add a little bit to these templates if that's your only strategy. But Michael, to answer your question, you are eliminating so many different ways to build momentum, energy, and relationship building by eliminating any sort of phone calls.
0: Wonderful, uh, I, I, I totally agree with you. So thank you for that. Um, I recall a past client telling me that they'd only reach live people about three or 4% of the time when calling all day long. What do you think is a realistic percentage of reach for cold calling
1: if all they're doing is speaking to these people like four times out of a hundred phone calls it's really an oasis in a desert my opinion is why don't you hang out for a while instead of doing an average five minute phone call why don't you stretch it to 15 minutes because you're probably a little cold and you need to warm up and somebody's there these are two ships passing in a night i would take advantage of that if you need to throw your list in a predictive dollars so you can speak to at least three more people but That's not the point. The point is if you're doing these phone calls, I think you should slow down a little bit more and just take advantage of that. More people are doing omni-channel non-voice support, as you were mentioning, filling out forms, doing chat. One of my clients has the same challenge. They're getting the 4%. So instead of doing 150 phone calls a day, they reduced it to about 115. So as i mentioned before they can find out a recent promotion or some sort of company culture so when they're leaving their voicemail or they're sending that email template it's really custom made and i've seen that yes phone call area contact conversion ratio dropped a little bit but then here's your advantage let's say you make another phone call back to these people you're mentioning cold emails not anymore, Michael. Now it's a warm email <laughs> because I've sent it. I could be following up on it, even if they haven't read it. But I might ask, and I'm sure you like something from the email to at least try to anchor in there. But you could be doing a second, third, or fourth touch approach to a client. Realize this is their protocol. But I do believe that by doing a little bit of due diligence research and seeing the one thing that the person loves the most and just mentioning it with them, it will give you a, a lot more mileage when you're speaking with the people.
0: Yeah, I, I uh, think that's really smart, Richard, this idea of, of doing a little bit of homework, right? I mean, if you're tasked with making 100 calls a day, 115 calls a day, you can only do so much homework, but you point out one thing, as you said, that one thing that that person loves, that's going to already put you a little ahead of the people that couldn't do any homework at all. And so they're following a templated approach, as you said. Yeah, I love that. Now, without giving it all away, Richard, as uh, you you have so much experience and and you have your secret sauce, could you please share a few tips on how to have better cold calls? Because you, you did mention, look for that one thing that the client loves. Anything else that you would add?
1: If you're willing to walk through a little journey with me and close your eyes, I can give you from the beginning to an end of a five-minute phone call. I'll walk you through some steps. I'll make it easy for you. It's not advanced because once you see it, you'll never unsee it. And so just allow me just to share some things that I've noticed in the years that, once again, will not compromise your ethics, values, or morals. But I will teach you something today where you'll be able to note when you need more clarification from somebody. All right, everybody, let's begin. This is the way I believe that the average attention span is 30 seconds to two minutes. So let's just use this as the base of thought, all right? Every conversation has an introduction, a body and a conclusion. But if you think about it, if you don't land the intro, your body and conclusion don't even exist. So let's not even think about that. We'll just go on the momentum from just your introduction. We'll focus on that. We mentioned calling companies before, and let's just assume, Michael, that the contact ratio is higher than 4%. You're getting calls, you're contacting people. A lot of telemarketers or prospectors will ask people how they're doing initially. I prefer, since you have the first chance to speak, use your anonymity to your advantage. Don't be anonymous the whole call, that's shady, but you're allowed to say something the first time. I'm not saying my name. I'm saying the name of your company. I'm gonna ask, how's building balance doing today? <laughs> you know, I'm gonna say something like that because obviously Michael's doing great and his company's doing great. And so your combo, we're, instead of doing horizontal, we're doing vertical, I am stacking questions. Your theory that you've spoken about is open-ended versus closed-ended questions, yes or no, compared to explanations. I like stacking certain questions so you can answer it for me to reduce the time and possibly get some sort of traction out of that. So first we ask how Build and Balance is doing today. Michael, of course, says doing great. And he goes, my name is Michael. Oh, hello, Michael. Hello, my name is Richard. Or you could say, what is your name? That's when you get your first buffer boomerang technique. When somebody asks you a question or makes a statement, you buffer it because sometimes the tone may be negative. Michael, you're a nice guy. You're a gentleman. But sometimes people can give you a negative two, negative three tone. Same question, negative tone. You buffer it by saying, that's an excellent question. I just buffered it. The name of my company is Michael and I plus two you back so I can buffer it. That's an excellent question. Repeat the question and send it back, which shows active listening, so they don't have to repeat it. You're sending back what they said at them, so it's their energy coming back at you. It's your words, but I'm doing it as a plus two, and I'm gonna name drop you as well. Just to teach you little manners, to bring yourself to a plus two level, you don't need to yell at me. You could be a nice person on the phone and I can teach buffer boomerang you with one, two, and three type of questions on how nice you wanna give the response, how you repeat it, so you move along. There's never a repeat or a rabbit hole. That's the first thing. And I do this with the gatekeeper. So initially they like the fact I repeated their question, said their name, answered the question. And I mentioned earlier about the positive escalation. Once they've been so helpful for me or explain that it's Michael's anniversary or that this company did this, I'm gonna let her know, I can't wait to tell Michael how nice you were. Now, of course, you didn't wanna transfer the call. Maybe one out of 10 do that, maybe. But once that call is transferred, you're starting off with momentum with Michael by saying, hello, this is Michael. Michael, I just gotta let you know, this individual that works with you is incredible. And then you say, what's your name? (laughs) Here's another. Buffer boomerang. Ah, Michael. Glad you asked that question. My name is Richard Blank. <laughs> you know, so you just keep bringing it back. Buffer boomerang. So then, what happens in the middle of the call when you're giving lists? You're explaining what you do. We do A, B, C, or D. Timeout. It's got to be like a like a dessert tray. Each one deserves its own its own thing. We can do A. We can do B. I'm waiting for either a positive reinforcement or potentially you reacting to that. And so, as I say before, after you mentioned a list of things, you might say to them, I'm sure you like at least one. I didn't say you liked them all, I'm not that brazen, but I'm also confident enough to know at least you like one and you might get the one. So instead of doing horizontal, now you're vertical again. And we see how many things you like of that one. But this is what happens in the middle of the call. I told you about 30 seconds to two minutes. I told you about the gatekeeper, positive escalation, buffer boomerang one, two, and three technique. We're good to go on that. But Richard, what happens when they're speaking? What do we do? We use the phonetic micro expression reading. What's the purest form of speech, Michael? It's it's phonetics, it's the sound. So there's four steps to phonetics. You have tone, which represents your emotion and my suggestion, which you have in abundance. It's confident and it's empathetic. That is the consistent variable that does not change. The mirror imaging technique, which you've always mentioned in your classes of matching people's styles, in my opinion, Michael, it should be done with their rate, how fast they go and their pitch. Now we do this every 30 seconds to two minutes because that's just how conversations go. And you back it up with the answering speed because that's something they can't do subconsciously. You can easily control your tone. You can manipulate your rate and your pitch. But subconsciously, it's very difficult for you to control your answering speed. And so once you see it, you can't unsee it. After three weeks, it becomes a habit. It will not hold you back from any work that you do. You'll just be a little more astute, a little more lucid, and you will see the tell signs that people are giving you. Face-to-face, no. Over the phone, or if you really want the purest read when you're sitting with somebody, close your eyes. And then you can actually (laughs) really read these people. Why do I do this? Because if somebody is doing a spike or a dip in regards to their phonetics, then that means that there is a tie down question or a pin down question or a confirmation question that might happen. Um, You're reacting in a certain way. So I might be saying, Michael, sounds good, right? Or makes sense, right, Michael? Or hypothetically, since people are working from home, you might have dogs or children or distractions in the background. My suggestion for your audience, Michael, is inadvertently and passive aggressively, let them know the me too technique that you love dogs, <laughs> which is really letting you know they're barking. But don't just say that. What the real salesperson or the attentive listener does is they ask the follow-up question. Dog's barking. She loves dogs. I love dogs. It's killing the call, but it's not that. But then I say, what's the dog's name? Her name is Fluffy. Great. I can wait till, you know, Fluffy can go outside for a minute. And so once that calms down, you go back a step and you leap forward Three, it's an excellent anchoring technique because you're looking for certain areas of the call, not your pitch and what you're trying to land. No, you're trying to look at that one thing you can connect on if it happens to be a child or a dog or music in the background or some sort of anniversary that you can relate to, that's what you anchor on. And so this Me Too technique, in my opinion, is a great way to get back onto the straight line. But let's go to this again. You have a dog barking in the background. My opinion is to say, not excuse me, I'm sorry, Michael, can you repeat that? No, 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 I'm gonna fall on that sword. Michael, for my clarification, when your dog was barking, did you say ABC or one, two, three? Michael says, one, two, three, thank you. It's for my clarification, Fluffy was making noise. You know I couldn't hear you, but it's for my clarification, not I'm gonna ask you to repeat that because that's an ego defense mechanism that could kill the tone of the call. All of a sudden there's rabbit holes there. So then we get through the body of the call. And the greatest thing that could happen in the call is if somebody says your name, especially in the body, which means once again, you anchored, you, you have this relationship. So the rest of the call is cool. But let's say you get to the end of the call. It's the conclusion. What you would say is since you have me on the phone, Michael, are there any additional questions you may have? I might've forgotten a stack. Remember we spoke about A, B, C, and D. Oh, I like C too. You do like C too. And then we talk about that for a little bit. And those are the additional questions line. I get to rake it one more time. Remember in the body of the call is I'm sure you like at least one. You liked one out of the four. But then when I raked it again, we recapture one, second one, third one you liked again. I raked you, got it, got a third one and then i always do this for the icing on the cake we always confirm your email address or any sort of words with military alphabet because chances are you've served know someone that served or it's just a great way just to make things tight and it's kind of funny where the call should be ending and then you do military alphabet and then the next thing you know i'm talking about my grandfather that served in europe so <laughs> and my father in north korea so um south korea excuse me and so it was um it's one of those things where you don't rush the end of the call. You wanna make sure that your speed is consistent and you've taken their time. And by recapping and showing active listening, and, and I like to call it like meeting minutes in a sense, you really show this. And, and then Michael, we're, we're gonna even close it even better for you post call. Once I write you again, about the appointment we have or the business we're doing, I'm gonna be mentioning the individuals like David, for an example, and others that work with you so well, their participation, because that's a one in a thousand. No one writes that sort of stuff. And you know, when I call you back and this individual picks up the phone, they're gonna be so happy to speak with me. And they're gonna say, I can't believe what you wrote about me. Thank you so much. In 30 years, no one said that. And so that's the Richard Circle, Michael. That's from the beginning of the call from the company named Spike better than they do to the conclusion ranking positive escalation written. And if you do everything in the middle consistently and staying focused to these 30 seconds to two minute intervals, you will have such balance. You will have such focus. You won't be a print. You'll be an amazing painting. You will have incredible phone calls where strangers or friends you haven't met yet. And you'll probably get a ton of referrals. You'll be getting a lot of phone calls back of the way that you treat people.
0: Wow, that's really interesting, Richard. Thank you for for sharing your your process with our viewers. I mean, that is really interesting. I, I, I know that they're gonna watch it again, because there's multiple sections you know the, the introduction the body and the closing so they got to get their pen ready <laughs> yeah hopefully they watch it and take notes and probably take a snapshot of the the, the pitch and uh, diagram and the the uh, buffer boomerang diagram and so forth yeah so then how how do you how do you develop salespeople who, are relatively green to become someone that is effective at following your methods and processes. What what do you look for in salespeople to know that I'm working with someone who could be great?
1: Michael, those are my favorite agents to hire. I can mold them. They're not coming in with bad habits. They're coming in bilingual, which shows such education before them, I get to be their first coach, if it's their first call center telemarketing job. But let's go through it in three stages, if we may. The first Mm -hmm. one is the psychological stage. I have to let them know that fear is a morbid anticipation of something that hasn't happened yet. And just in my own instance, just by these agents being bilingual and myself, once again, it shows dedication and structure. So they've done something very difficult. If I can properly prepare them and put them on a level playing field with all of the resources, such as a proper script, rebuttals, training in the CRM, in the system, how to use their phone system, doing quality assurance, which is QA support, where we go through, we call them KPIs, which are key performance indicators. So we can just see their consistency. Trust me, everybody, it's a test you can easily pass. The points that I give are for the soft skills. We just judge you to ask their email address and mention your information. I don't do that. I I concentrate on the aces. I, I expect you to do that. That's what I'm paying you to do. What I want you to do when you're in class is to once again, relax and realize that this could be something that could pay more than most vocations. And the fact that you have a thesaurus and you should expand your vocabulary. So instead of using words like help, My suggestion would be to use in this specific order would be assist guide or lend a hand, same message, different delivery. You're being more strategic on this. You're being a little more clever. You don't once again need to say, I'm sorry, it's for my clarification. So once I expand their vocabulary just with work words, and then they go home and learn additional words because they're just so into it. And so what happens then, then you start connecting people together. So you have a certain sort of buddy system or unlike myself, who's the owner of the company telemarketer, when you have somebody that shines, let them work with the local Costa Ricans in their own language, knowing their culture. It's very important for me that people get promoted here from within. And I'm able to delegate certain responsibilities. Now you're talking about a new guy, but if the kid shows up on time, Front row center, takes notes, role plays, participates, just a great all around kid. You don't think I'm gonna want him to stand up on Wednesday and do a little bit of the class just for fun to build his confidence? Love kids like that. Have to do things like that. And they will make sure that the people that work with them break bread with them, know each other's names. And you just don't say good job. What do you saying good job on? Let them specifically know you listen to a call or let them know, thank you for your one year anniversary with us. I must be doing something right because Amazon, Oracle, Intel, and HP, they're here. I compete against the big boys, but guess what? They don't play pinball with their people. They don't train their people personally like I do. They're not selective of sometimes the campaigns that they choose just to make sure that people feel comfortable with the sort of training that they have in the preparation. And so that's why I believe that this smaller sort of company that I have is why certain people gravitate towards this. It may not be for everybody. Some people just wanna lose themselves and thousands of people, but those that work for smaller call centers can make a very, very good name for themselves very fast.
0: Yeah. Excellent. All right. So then uh, when we talk about that, the, uh, the last question is, when should a business consider using a call center like yours? What's the thought process that one would go through to make that decision?
1: That's a very good question. And if I may, I have to, I guess, say something for my, my own piece. I would prefer, Michael, that people choose me for merit over price. I can name 10 call centers that can do it for half my cost in the Philippines, and in India, or anywhere in town. So if that's your first question for me, I'll answer you by saying $1,000 an hour. They go, no, you're not. And I go, of course I'm not. What's your second question? (laughs) At least just to see what they have to say. And then a lot of the times on those calls, because people shop around, which they should, and people do know certain telemarketing, they have done it in-house, but they've never uh, outsourced. So maybe they're not familiar with some of our infrastructure, our reporting, our supervision, onboarding, training, quality assurance. They've just done it with a half a dozen guys in their office. And a lot of the times they have unrealistic expectations. Sometimes people have to go through a certain process with me so they qualify. I reject more campaigns than I accept because I'm very selective. I use the smart theory, specific, measurable, agreed upon, realistic and time frame oriented, but To answer your your question in a certain way, anybody that would like to scale their company, maybe compare apples to what they're doing to my structure here. We're very price comparable to the United States, including full benefits here. I don't force hands, I don't twist arms. And from an educated point of view, potential clients make a decision about working with me. And most of the time, and I will be candid about this, it's price. And how can I compete when we're the most expensive in Central America? But we also have the best infrastructure if that's important to you. We also have Spanish language capacity. We're very close to the United States. We're on certain time zones. And we have a democratic society here. We don't have an army, so there's a 95% literacy rate. So one of the questions that I would ask as let's say a salesman, is since I have these skills and you're asking me because I'm 50% more, am I capable of doing 1.5 an hour compared to just one an hour? If I put it on a predictive dialer, if I speak in Spanish, if I use Richard's coaching, if we do rebuttals, if I do voicemails, am I capable of doing 0.5 more? Because you're saying you pay half. Well, then that's fine. Put me on a level playing field. Maybe my agents are capable with the skills that they possess and the coaching and the environment that they have. And I've seen it to do 0.5 more, which means that we even out and I'm worth my cost, And then we get the seats. But my goodness gracious, I can't do 20 calls an hour. <laughs> you know, if the average one is 10, you can't, you can't make up time. But those are the sort of questions that I would ask to see if it would be a good fit or not. But, um, but I do appreciate anybody that calls me. They must've found me on the internet through search engine optimization or read an article or or at least took the time to reach out. And so I almost tell them to put their checkbooks away. No one sends me money on a first phone call. It's my pleasure to share information. And I hope that I shared plenty with your audience today because there's so much more I could share, but there's only so much time. But I believe that I shared with you my best, where it would give somebody such great foundation training, where Michael, all they do is just dedicated practice if they just do things when the cameras are off and no one's around and they just practice their kicks, punches and painting their guitar, they're going to be amazing artists of speech. But the one thing is when they're too well rehearsed and they're too commercialized, they, they're not raw anymore. They lose that sort of spark and character that they first started off this journey with. And that's pretty much my final thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, that, that's excellent. Uh, that, that was, that was a, a, a nice little nugget right there at the end too, Richard. So thank you very much for sharing with us today. Uh, we're grateful for the time that uh, you spent with us because uh, you're, you're running a, a, a busy and successful business down there in Costa Rica. So uh, I'm grateful.
1: Thank you, Michael.